hey, we're rounding, we're rounding the corner on the sermon series, Uncanceled. And man, I just hope this has blessed you. Uh, it's been, I've been getting some feedback from it and, and hopefully in, in the culture we're living in today, we're getting, we're getting an idea of a godly response to a culture that we don't recognize. And so we're going to dig into it again today. We got a couple more weeks of this and, um, and I'm just thankful that no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, the Bible speaks directly to it. God has been faithful to cover it all. So I'm thankful for that. So we're going to talk again. We're going to be in Daniel and, uh, and talk about another scenario that's going to help us out this morning. So we're going to be reading from Daniel chapter six. So why don't you stand to your feet? In honor of the word. And we're going to read Daniel chapter 6. And again, we're not going to read the whole story. But this is an infamous story that if you, if you went to Sunday school for a week, you probably heard this story. Uh, it's the Daniel in the lion's den story and how he gets thrown in the lion's den but doesn't get eaten. So we're going we're gonna to read some of this this morning and dig into it together. Say amen if you're ready. Daniel chapter six, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or find any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king! Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. 
and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance can, that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Father, we thank you today. God, you've been faithful to us. You've brought us to this point, Lord, in our walk with you, to this point in our lives. You brought us together this morning. God, we just ask that we be confident today, more confident than ever before of your faithfulness to us. God, that there is no circumstance, whether it's in politics or government or things going on around the world, or there's no circumstance that you would not be faithful in. We thank you for that today. We pray that you'd calm our hearts, calm our minds, and let us be at peace knowing that you are faithful. Thank you for that today, Lord. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. So last week, we... Um, we did the fast forward thing and Babylon had fallen or Babylon had fallen. Belshazzar had a, had seen writing on a wall and the Medes and the Persians end up overtaking Babylon and killing Belshazzar. Daniel interprets the writing on the wall and the whole thing comes to pass. In chapter six, find out the king now is setting up his new government. If there's a new king, there's obviously going to be a new form of government. This is, this is a whole different group of people coming in and running things. So Darius is setting up a new government. He is picking how he's going to run. He, he's, he's looking through the people that are already currently in government and figuring out who's going to stay and who's going to leave. And, and he's, he's setting up his cabinet. So he, he looks through and, and, it, and it seems that they have these satraps, these kind of governor type people over areas, and then they have three high officials over them. And Daniel was one of those three high officials. And the king actually liked Daniel so much that he sought to set him over the whole thing. And in chapter six of Daniel, we find out it, it's a famous verse, an excellent spirit was in him. Now, if you remember from last week, Daniel's not a young guy. He's been doing this a while. He's been in the king's service. He's been in government affairs. He's been interpreting dreams for, the, for, for now three kings. Now he's on his third king. And so he's not, he's not new to this, and he's got an excellent reputation. It's really, it's really with, with, without spot. It's, it's an it's an excellent reputation from when he, when he lands in Babylon as an exile from Jerusalem all the way up to now in his 70s. The Bible says that they can't find anything on him. This King Darius, 
Now, I'm going to say a couple of things here that may be a little bit confusing. And if you want to go back and research it, you're more than welcome to. Scholars have researched the book of Daniel for a long, long, long time. And there's a whole bunch of, of opinions about some of these things in Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 5 and Daniel chapter 6, it mentions King Darius as the one who overtakes Babylon. External historical documents and other places in scripture talk about a King Cyrus. Now it has become more recent uh, opinion by some that Darius and Cyrus are the same people. So if they're the same people, then we can go back to other places in scripture like Ezra and, and Isaiah, and we can find mentions of this king and his, and his favoring the Jews. So if you go all the way back to Jeremiah and the prophets prophesying that the overtake, that Babylon was going to overtake Jerusalem and it would take 70 years of them being in exile before they were able to go back to Jerusalem. Now we're, now we're approaching the culmination of that. We're approaching the culmination of that 70 years of King Cyrus or Darius, as we find in Daniel chapter six, five and six, this is the king that, that God has set up is favorable to the Jews so that they can go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and go back to the proper worship of the one true God. So we find that a couple of references to it. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 13. I have stirred up, stirred him up in righteousness and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free. Not for price or reward, says the Lord of hosts. Ezra chapter one. Starting at verse one, it says in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold and goods and beasts besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem." Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 23 says this, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord, his God be with him. Let him go up. So, so watch this. This is how it's unfolding. The king who is in charge now setting up his government and God himself has turned this king favorable to the Jews. So it's, it's becoming widely known that the king is starting to favor the Jews in order to let them go back to Jerusalem and rebuild a temple. He's letting them leave. He's giving them resources. He's encouraging other people to give them resources. So now, now we find Daniel at the height, at the pinnacle of, of the governmental structure. 
So now, now there's a problem here. Just because the king has been, has been, his heart has been tur- turned towards the Jews doesn't mean everybody in his government has. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean there's not so politics going on in the background. It doesn't mean that everybody likes the Jews. It doesn't mean that there's not some racist people still in there. It doesn't mean that everybody's falling in lockstep and like, oh yeah, yeah, Cyrus is, Cyrus is all for him, so we're for him. No, what we find out is as soon as Cyrus starts to separate Daniel and recognize that he's as good as it gets, that this guy has been consistent for decades and he's a guy that I need in charge of some things, the people around Daniel start to get, start to be a little edgy. Daniel's one of three. The other two, the other two guys and some of the satraps that they're over devise a plan. Let's do a little, let's do a little research on Daniel. Let's do a little background check. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do a little background check on Daniel and we'll go back into his history. And I'm sure there's something we can dig up about Daniel that, uh, you know, that is less than consistent. Maybe there's a little dirt in the closet. Maybe there was a woman somewhere. Maybe there was, maybe there was something, maybe there was something that we could just get on him that, that would turn the king against him. So they do the background check. Comes back clean. You know how frustrating that must've been for him to do a thorough search of somebody's entire life and find nothing, nothing worth mentioning. So what do you do when you can't, uh, when you can't find anything wrong with somebody, you make something up, you make something up. So they get together, they go before the King and they, and they do this really slick political move. I mean, slick political move. They go to the King and they act like they're all in one accord. They're all in agreement. The truth of the matter is it was only two of the top three people in charge were in agreement. Daniel has not been, obviously not been, not been included in this decision. So they leave Daniel out of the process. They get together and they say, Hey, you know what? His only weak point is his devotion to his God. That's it. So they end up going to the king and they say, hey, king, we think it would be a good idea if you make a decree. And I mean, I mean, according to the the laws of the land, the laws of our uh, of our system of government, the laws of our culture, which cannot be broken. Once you make this decree, remember, it can't be broken. We think it would be a good idea if you made a decree. It it would kind of unite the kingdom. It would unite the kingdom. If you made a decree that nobody can make any petition to anyone else, anything else, anyone else, any other God, anything else but you. Now, I want to make this statement. I'm not sure the king who makes a profession that of Daniel's God is the God of God's. I'm not sure he was looking at this in a religious sense. If you do some research, he might have been just thinking it was a political ploy. You know, we, we just took over the place. It'd be really good if we, um, if we got some buy-in from all the people. After all, all my politicians think this is a good idea. 
uh, let me make a side note here. If all the politicians think it's a good idea, it's probably not. (laughs) So he goes along with it. It seems harmless, not a big deal. It's 30 days, whatever. So they sign the decree, puts his little stamp on it, and it goes out. Daniel finds out about it. No petition to anybody else, 30 days. You can't, can't do anything. It seems in the writing to exclude him from praying. It it seems like it outlaws him praying. The Bible says that Daniel in the face of that went up to his room and he said he had windows open towards Jerusalem, his homeland. And three times a day in the Bible says, which he always did. It was, it was what he did. It was how he lived. Three times a day, he went up into that room, faced Jerusalem, and prayed to his God. Prayed to the God of gods. So he reads the decree, and guess what he does? Goes right up to his room, bends down on his knees, faces Jerusalem, and prays to his God. Now, now listen, people are tricky. And if people want to accuse you of something you're going to get accused. It seems when you read it that they were waiting on him to do it. They knew that he prayed. They knew when he did it. They knew because it's what he always did. So it seems when you read this, it seems like they were waiting on him. It's kind of reminiscent of the woman in the New Testament caught in the act of adultery. It seems like they were just waiting on her to do it so that they could, so that they could prosecute her. So they catch him doing it. They catch him praying. (laughs) They caught you praying. They catch him praying and they run straight to the king and they say, hey, king, remember, remember the decree you just made? Remember, remember that thing you said about nobody can make any petition to anyone else but you over the next 30 days? And remember, remember how you can't break that. See, you see how they were pinching him into a corner and, and, and remember you can't break the law. Remember you can't break the law. Remember you can't break the law. Remember because you signed it and it's got to stay the way it is. And the king says, yeah. Well, Daniel broke it. You can picture the king's stomach rising up into his chest. He gets super anxious, nervous. The Bible says that he is beside himself. Never in a million years did he think a little political move that seems so obscure and not even a big deal, just, just pledge allegiance to the state. It's not even that big a deal. I mean, after all, this guy is favorable to the Jewish nation. Never Never does it say on purpose that he, that he wanted to do this. He's beside himself. It says he's trying to figure out all day how to get Daniel out of this. And they're just pushing him. Remember, you can't change it. Remember, you can't change it. Remember how important this is. If you want to stay in power, you can't change this. You can't just willy-nilly go and check. This is the law of the Medes and Persians. You have to keep this in place. So he does. He keeps in place. The penalty was the lion's den. Daniel 
Daniel goes to the lion's den. They take him there. He's an old man. He's an old man. Take him to the lion's den. It seems so absurd. The king, as they're putting him in the lion's den, the king is saying, Daniel, I'm, I'm praying your God delivers you. I'm praying your God delivers you. The Bible says he goes back that night to his palace. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep at all. It says no diversions were brought to him. No, none of the usual things that he, that he gets to, to calm him at night. None of that stuff. It says he fasts. He doesn't eat anything that evening. And, he's, and he sleep escapes him. He wakes up before dawn, before the sun pops over the horizon, and he goes down to where Daniel is. They roll the stone back away from the den, and he shouts in it, Daniel! Did your God deliver? Did your God keep you last night? And Daniel comes back with a, yep, just me and the kiddies down here. Everything's fine. The king brings him up. He gets together all of the officials. Once he figures out, all right, I know why this happened now. He gathers up all the officials, but here's Old Testament. This is the way the Old Testament worked. He gathers up all the officials, their wives, their children, their whole families, tosses them in the lion's den. And let me tell you something. There were no angels down there to keep the lion's mouth shut that time and the lions devour them. That's a wild story. Some of you heard it in, in Sunday school. It's a story of faithfulness. It's a story of, of God's delivering power, but it's a story that, that applies to our lives today a couple ways, a couple ways. And and especially now, because it seems like the world is being flipped upside down, even in the last couple of weeks, even the last week, you're going around, how is this happening? One of the things that can, that can happen when it feels like the culture is going away from you and it feels like nothing you believe in is being held sacred, nothing, nothing you worked for is, is being held up. And, and you can kind of get the feeling where, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do my best because it doesn't matter. I want to encourage you this morning, if you proclaim the name of Jesus, do the best you can every time you can. The reason Daniel rose up to the place he was was not because he was a slacker and God was making up for him. It was because he was excellent. The reason anybody knew there was an excellent spirit in him is because there was an excellent spirit working through him. So what it didn't just, there wasn't just an excellent spirit in him. What he did was as a result was excellent. It matters even more so when everything around you is going to hell. It matters even more than when everything's going right. Because listen, when everything's going right, it's easy for everybody to, to, to do their best. But when everything is going against what you believe, when people who are running things are doing things that you don't believe in and the culture seems to be falling away as fast as it can and, and you turn on the TV and every day you're seeing stuff that you can't believe is actually happening, the knee jerk is to be like, well, I'm gonna just pull back a little bit because it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say Daniel did that. Even in his old age, it says he, he had an excellent spirit and the king set 
to sought, sought to set him over the whole realm. More than ever before, the church has to rise up and say, you know what, we're going to do our best. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's, who's politically in charge. It doesn't matter what party's in charge. It doesn't matter because I'm not working for them. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now listen, Daniel had done this his whole life. An excellent spirit was in him. You never become excellent from doing something one time. Never become excellent. You, You can get lucky and do it good once. An excellent spirit comes from day after day after day when you don't feel like it, when, when things are against you, when you, when, 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 when nothing's going, you just wake up and it's not even, it's the spirit of God in you. You're doing it better than everybody else. Why? Because you're not doing it necessarily for everybody else. You're doing it because God is faithful to you. And in our response to his grace, we will do the best we possibly can. What kind of testimony is it if we proclaim the name of Jesus and do a poor job behind that? It's not a testimony at all. It shouldn't shock us at all that Daniel proclaimed the name of Jesus and was the best in the country. The church, one of the, one of the sources of joy in the church should be, should come from. He's given us so much grace. Our response to that is to do the best we possibly can, no matter who the boss is, no matter who the president is, no matter who's in control of Congress, no matter if the culture is going my way or the opposite way, I'm not doing it for any of that reason. I'm doing it because God has poured out his love and kindness and mercy on me. And I, this is my response to him to do the best I can. And listen, if you do that over and 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 over, it starts to become hard for people to find stuff. Because you'll set a whole history of doing things well. So that brings us, that brings us to Daniel. He lives his whole life with an excellent spirit going above and beyond. Performing better than everybody else. So I'm going to encourage you this morning to live a life that the devil has to make something up about you. Hmm. The devil has to make something up about you. I, um, a few years ago, I had, I was in a, it was probably seven or eight years ago. The church was growing and more people were coming and people were being saved and were baptizing people. And, um, and, and somebody came to me and said, hey, these, somebody was saying this, that, 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 that. And they were, they were defending me. They were upset about it. And I thought, well, you know it's not true. You know it's not true. Not everybody, not everything everybody says about you is true. Did you know that? And so really quick, you have to get to the place where it's like, hey, I've lived my life a certain way all the way up to this point. And, and so... You know what? They might have to make something up. Never be shocked when the devil has to make something up about you. Now, if you're giving them something to talk about, that's a whole different story. Daniel had given them nothing to talk about. Daniel Daniel had given them no reason to accuse him of anything, except 
that he was devoted to his God. And that just grinded on them. So guess what? They just got to create something. Live a life where people have to make something up. Live a life so well that when they, that when they do the FBI background check, they don't find anything. How do we do that? Consistency is king. Listen, if you have nothing to hide, then you have nothing to hide. So if you have nothing to hide, never get rattled when they start looking. You know what fascinates me? When people get super defensive. Like, well, I, did, I didn't do that. Now let them look. Let them go. Go talk to my wife. Yeah, she's going to tell you I get irritated every now and then. She's going to tell you uh, I don't handle everything right all the time. She's going to tell you I lose my temper every now and then. She's going to tell you I, I eat when I eat. Lucky Charms, I snore at night. She's going to tell you those things. She's going to tell you, she's going to tell you the truth. So nothing to hide. Live a life where there's nothing to hide. Where if they pop in on you, they find you doing godly things. If they're sitting outside your house, if they make the decree, if they make the stuff up, and then Daniel is in his house, when they, when they pop in on him, they found him praying. Let them make something up about you and then pop in on you and find you doing something godly. Just, just be consistent. Over and over and over again, Daniel was consistent. Consistency is king. Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul is writing, he's saying, listen, Here is how you worship God. Do the right, present your body as worship. Be consistent in your worship. Yeah, do we come here and play music and we sing a couple songs on a Sunday morning? Yeah, that is, that's worship the way our culture understands it. But you want to know the greater worship that you could do? The greater worship that you do doesn't depend on you getting the pitch right. The greater worship you can do doesn't depend on you getting the note right or being able to hit the right octave or, or being able to sing so that your the person sitting beside you doesn't get all weird out. That's not the greater worship. That's not the best worship you could do. The best worship you could do is to live a life so consistent that nobody can find anything. Paul's saying, listen, offer your bodies consistently a continual act of worship that's holy and pleasing to God. Offer what you do and how you think, how you treat people, offer it up to God as an act of worship. And then guess what? You can, you can be tone deaf and get that right. You don't have to be able to sing. You don't have to be able to hold a microphone. You don't have to play an instrument. You can play the instrument that God gave you, your body, and you can do the right thing with it day after day after day after day with your mind, day after day after day. And it is the ultimate act of worship. Daniel did that. And he did it so much that they, when they did, went back and did the check, they couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything. Here's the truth. Daniel was not perfect, but he was consistent. Daniel was not perfect, but he was consistent. Let let me say this about, about the church in our modern day times. Listen, I'm praying to God that nobody sitting in this room, first, second, third service, or, or online, 
I'm praying to God that there is no expectation for me to be perfect. Because I can already tell you, and you can talk to my wife and kids, I'm not. I'm not even close. And neither was Daniel. There's been no human being walked the earth. No pure human being. Jesus was all human and all God. That's a totally different story. The only one. Everybody else had flaws and we've all had a lot of them. Daniel was not perfect. He was just consistent. The world does not, does not get upset when we mess up. They get upset when we cover it up. The biggest scandals in churches are not because somebody messed up. It's because it was covered up. So listen, if you don't cover it up, there's nothing to find out when they go back. You say, oh yeah, you dug that up? Everybody already knew. You dug that up? Yeah, I already got forgiveness for that. You dug that up? Yeah, I've already told everybody that. I'm not hiding anything. Oh, you dug that up? No, that's not a big deal. The world is not looking for perfection. They're looking for honesty. The church keeps dipping back into the Old Testament, just trying to look perfect. Look like we're obeying the law. Look like we're obeying the law. It wasn't that they looked back in Daniel's life and found him with no imperfections. It's that they found him with nothing that he had ever covered up. That's where we need to be as people. Stop covering it up. Stop trying to hide it. It doesn't get us anywhere. Daniel. In one of my favorite places in scripture, the decree is sent out. The Bible says Daniel reads it. And it says, he goes up into his room with the window open towards Jerusalem and he prays three times a day like he normally did. You know what I realized about circumstances like we're in now? The culture of our country, the, the, the trajectory of the world, what is happening around us now. You know, you know what I realized? Whatever you are doing consistently is what you will do when it comes down to it. Whatever we are doing on a consistent basis, when it hits the fan, that's what we're going to do. Listen, when the pressure comes on, you're not going to start a new habit. You're going to fall back to an old one. When the pressure really comes on, you're not all of a sudden going to run up. If the decree comes out, if you're not praying and the decree comes out that you can't pray, you're not going to start praying. Daniel was just doing what he always did. Okay, this is what I do every day, three times a day. The decree came out. Well, this muscle memory by now, I'm not going to stop doing it. So you have, we have to take an assessment of our lives. If I'm, if I don't, if I don't have communion with God some way, somehow, I'm not setting any rules about it. I'm not saying you got to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and pray. I'm not saying you got to do it at night. But if you have no communion with God now, don't expect when the pressure comes on to start. You're going to do whatever you have been doing. We're human. That's human nature. You just keep doing what you're doing. Daniel, verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his window and his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave God thanks as he had done 
previously. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your, knowing in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What is Paul writing to the church in Corinth? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He's saying consistent, 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 because there's going to come a day when it's going to be challenged and what you're consistent in is what you're going to keep doing. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not consistent in following the will of God in your life, you're not consistent in how you respond and communicate with God. If you're not consistent in and out, our culture is moving so far away from that. It's blinding how fast it's happening. Dig in, set a routine, do it over and over and over and over and over again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What is that? Just be, you gotta be consistent. Whatever you're doing now is what you will be doing when they, when they look in on us. When, you, when they look in on your room, that is what we need to be found doing. Consistency. All right, we're gonna... We're going to wrap it up with this. The band's going to come up. We, our world, our culture, our town, our city, our, this generation needs the church to set the example of what faithfulness looks like. Our culture is not faithful. That's not, when you, when, you, when you look at our culture, we turn on the nightly news, you don't see faithfulness to things. Things have become cheap and worthless and, 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 and betrayal and all that. It's just incessant now. People need to see an example of faithfulness. I'm committed to God and his way for my life and I won't trade that in for something cheap. I won't trade it in to save myself. I won't trade it in. I won't trade it for anything. Daniel, in the face of death, he's being tossed into the, to, this, to this pit full of lions. And the king realizes that Daniel's faithful. And not only is Daniel faithful, the king realizes that Daniel's God is faithful. Verse 16, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast in the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve, there's that consistency word again, continually. May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. The king was basing his hope on the faithfulness he had seen in Daniel. Listen, hope for people outside of here has to start somewhere. Hope for people outside of here has to start somewhere. It has to start when they look in and see us unwavering. No matter what's happening around us, they see us holding fast to the hope that is in us. They see us holding fast. We talked last week. They see us not afraid. They see us at peace. They see us full of assurance. They see us steadfast, always doing good. It doesn't matter who's the president, who's in charge. We are going to do good to the people around us. We don't get rattled. We don't get shook. We don't get upset. 
we are, we are steadfast because God is faithful, then we are faithful in response. And we have to set that example with our kids, with our marriages, with our jobs, with every aspect of our life. We have to be the people that stand up and go, no, 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 no. I will not capitulate. I'm going to be faithful. If he's been faithful to me, that has to be my response. Dan- Daniel said, I'm not going to not pray. What's the king say? Hey, listen, that God that you serve continually, I'm praying. I'm, I'm believing right now that he's going to save you. I'm hoping. I've seen your faithfulness, Daniel. That's what I want to see happen. Matthew 5, 16, it says this. We'll, we'll close with this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Let your light shine so that others can see God's faithfulness in you, through you. And it says, then the response of people outside will be praise to God because of the faithfulness they see in your life. The king turns around and makes a decree. At the end of this story, you can read it. The whole country. He, he sends a decree out across the whole country. Daniel's God is a God of gods. I've seen the faithfulness. I believe it. Daniel's God is the God of gods. It is my prayer this morning that the people you work with, that your family members, that your neighbors, that the people you come into contact with will start to see the faithfulness, the consistency in your life over and over and over. Maybe your, maybe your history's been rattled with anxiety and fear. They'd start to see the faithfulness of consistency of God in your life, that you don't have a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And you will be, they would see that in your life and they would give praise to God. They would see consistency in your life, consistency in your marriage, consistency in your job, consistency in your kids. They start to see this over and over and over again. And the Bible says that when that works through us, then praise will be offered up to God. That's the testimony of the church. He's been faithful to us. Therefore we can then be faithful. Amen. We can be consistent. We can be overcomers. Not by some fairy dust, but because the God of all the universe lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And he's empowered us to do that.